How's it going, everybody? Hope everyone's having a fantastic day. You know what time it is. I invite you to pull up a chair, sit back and relax, and welcome you to Season 2, Episode 10 of the SPEMA Council Podcast. Finally, finally, we are in double digits, and it's been an unbelievable journey uh, stretching over these past three or four, three or four months here uh with with all with all you listeners uh again we thank you for tuning in to um any of the episodes that that's uh, that you that, that you've that we've listened and uh you know for sure um episode 10 is a milestone but that doesn't mean we're we're stopping here we're going to continue to push for uh quality con- great content and uh and great and great stories to hopefully uh share with you enlighten with you and maybe uh maybe uh, give you some helpful pointers that uh you know you can use in your lot in your lives both um both in general and uh and professional as well but uh join me today for this for this ep- for this episode uh he's been wanting to get on uh, this show for for a while uh Edmonton's own Mason Bork and fellow SPEMA council member how's it going buddy uh, I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Will? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, unbelievably busy. Uh, let's let's just say it. let's just uh, let's just say that. I mean, multiple projects due in the next couple weeks uh, uh, makes life a bit uh, makes life a bit packed. But uh, overall, uh, manageable so far. So you know, I can't complain. I can't complain. How about you? Uh, you know what? I'm in the same boat. I've got a few things that I'm working on right now. I think that's everyone little mentality right now just got to keep grinding keep going keep focusing and and make sure that you've got enough time for yourself as well grind never stops never stops got to get the bag yep definitely definitely uh, moving on to the main main event, we interviewed Matt Comand who is the uh, he was the founder and director of performance at uh, at emergence um wow i that's all i can say is wow um you know the points that he has brought up that he brought up in the episode uh were really were were unbelievably good with uh, regards to his experiences uh with spema and and uh at the university of denver as a graduate student to his you know to his uh to his uh career journey that's uh led uh, led him to being uh a uh you know was a, a a successful entrepreneur uh during with his endeavors at emergence uh so uh what do you so uh were the main points that uh, you took from this episode although there there are a ton that i can that i can uh, that 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 you know you can you can you can that stretch beyond two hands you know what i think uh you know you touched on it well well there's lots of great points that he made um i think probably the two biggest one that resonated with me is it doesn't matter where you're coming from or who you meet as long as you make a sort of connection in the industry that you're looking to work in or maybe prospecting to work in whether it be a, a compliment or you know a I guess I don't want to allude too much to it, but uh, or spoil it. But uh, I guess a, a mispronunciation. Um, you never know what will come up in the industry. Um, you know, anything could happen. You know, the sport industry, as everyone should know by now, is a very small industry, and everybody knows somebody. And uh, you never know what one person, uh, you know, a small ten-minute conversation can lead to you. Uh, you know, a month, two months, a year, two years. You know, down the road. Um, but I think the main point that resonated near the end of the interview, um, he mentions a lot about confidence and I guess self-reflecting and making sure that you're, do, you're, you're taking breaks uh, throughout everything going on. You know, uh, he mentioned a lot on 
in making sure that you have time for yourself, your brain to relax. He uses self-meditation, you know, you know, when he wakes up, you know, one time during the day and when he goes to bed to calm his mind, to make sure he has a good sleep, uh, but to also set, reset his brain to, you know, continue working and not feel as stressed and relaxed. And, you know, he mentions a lot about confidence and, you know, redefining confidence in a different way uh, in terms of adapting to situations rather than worrying about success. So I think those were the two main points that really resonated with me uh, during the interview. That, that, definitely, definitely. I, I'm, I, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm in the exact same boat as you, you know, more so with, uh, with the points he made at the end of the interview, you know, with, 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 with what's been going on and obviously everyone's aware, but you know, it's, uh, he, he makes some great strategies regardless of, you know, what life you live that, uh, that, that, you know, that, 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 you know, can, you know, you know, stabilize that, you know, can, uh, uh, center yourself as a person, improve your mental health and, uh, you know, uh, try and make my life a, a little, a little more, a little more stable. Um, you know, he taught, you know, there's another, another couple other points where he talks about, you know, learning sports that uh, he did, that, uh, that he didn't know that he didn't know before, uh, which is again, like, epitome of getting out of your comfort, getting out of your comfort zone. You know, I won't spoil the story now, but you know, it's a great story of, um, of, of, uh, of willingly building new knowledge to, uh, ensure he's, uh, to ensure, uh, success in, in the coaching and performance industry. Uh, before we go on the show, before we go to the show, uh, uh, Mason, any, 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 any final thoughts other than the fact, other than, uh, the fact that you were on fire as a co-host, I gotta tell you. You know, I, I've been wanting to get on this for a while. Uh, I guess uh, I kind of go on a little bit of a tangent on the, the fourth question afterwards. Uh, or maybe it was question five. I don't know. We were having a little much bit. fun on there. L- little little over the top. But, you know, it's all about, um, you know, with Matt, he, he really resonated with, with me. And I guess he could resonate with a lot of students, uh, you know, looking to, I guess, not really know where to go if, you know, he mentioned that, you know, he was working a summer job at a golf course when he made a connection or a connection that came up. Uh, but I, like I said, I'm not going to allude to the story, but, um, you know, I think a lot of, uh, I think if anyone's going to watch a podcast episode or listen in or do in for the first time, this has got to be a good one to start. A lot of great information that um, I guess sport management students or even industry professionals should be aware about with, you know, meditative self-confidence, you know, taking breaks in your mind or even just basic networking, right? Anything can happen. And as long as you treat your body and your mind right and have, you know, a good mindset, you're going to be all right. No matter, uh, you know, if you jump into an industry, uh, you know, you're a fresh graduate, or even if you're a first year or even a prospecting Brock student, it doesn't matter where you are. As long as you have the right mindset, you'll get where you want to be. Definitely. Definitely. Those are great points uh, to, uh, to, 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 fin- to finish up on. And uh, without any delay, let's head over to uh, our interview with Matt Comand, uh, the founder and director of performance at Emergent. We hope you enjoy. All right, folks, like I said before, welcome to another episode of the FEMA Council podcast. And again, 
double digits in season two. So this is a big milestone for us. And uh, joining us now, uh, we've got an ex- a very exciting guest as always. He is the founder and director of performance at Emergent. Please welcome Brock Spimo alum, Matt Coman to the podcast. How's it going? Going really well. Uh, doing really well. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. For sure, for sure. Uh, like we all, like we always uh, like to start the a podcast episode uh, episode up. Uh, Matt, what makes your story and career journey unique? That's a great question and a great one to start off with. I was thinking a bit about it over the last few days. I think um, from from a Spima perspective, maybe what makes my story a bit unique is uh, after I graduated Spima, I started coaching and. Uh, went on to get my master's degree in sport and performance psychology. So I think a lot of SPEAM alum, you know, get their master's in sport management or maybe an MBA or kind of focus more on the marketing or business side of things where um, I, I kind of moved more into coaching and sports psychology and performance psychology. So that would be a little bit unique. I'd like to say, I, I did my master's at the University of Denver, uh, which is just an amazing place, an amazing school, city, um, great place to spend two years. And I think a lot of, uh, I'd like to think that was unique, but I do think a lot of uh, SPEAM alum uh, get to the States for their master's degree or, or some sort of placement. I know several who went to Florida State or, or uh, Ball State, I think in Indiana. So uh, I think a lot of students get, get down to the States for, for some further schooling. And then uh, my career path, I mean, um, certainly jumped around a little bit. I was teaching at Humber uh, College for a few years. I, I do coach hockey. I've been coaching hockey for uh, this, whenever we do start, it'll be my 11th season. So that's uh, a bit unique maybe. And, uh, and yeah, just maybe focus more on, on the performance psychology side of things. That's really interesting. Um, you mentioned before uh, that you went to the Denver, Denver University shortly after you graduated in 2009 for the SPEMA program. Uh, and you mastered in sports and psychology. Were there any moments during your time in SPEMA that motivated you to find that niche and commit to this area of the industry? Yeah, uh, I think it's funny that you asked that because I've, I've kind of been asked that before and there, there, there is, there is a moment. I don't know about a specific moment, but there's a course that I took in fourth year. I think the course, co- course code is, is 4P09, or at least it was when I was there. Uh, it was just sport leadership or leadership in sport, whatever the title was. Yeah, and, yeah maybe you're right. Uh, yeah, and uh, it was taught by Dr. Kirsty Spence, and, and I just loved it. I mean, I loved all my courses, really, for the most part in SPEMA and, and all the profs, but that course really resonated with me, and I got to spend some time with Kirsty and a few other students and, and develop, like, a really great relationship and just kind of get tuned into the, the coaching side, the leadership side, and understand how impactful it is to, to be in leadership positions. And so I graduated in 2009 and started coaching minor hockey in, in 2010. So pretty quickly thereafter, and I was coaching little guys eight years old uh, at the time, and now they're in first year university, some of them. So uh, quite a while ago, but that, that course um, for PO9, the sport leadership course, really, I think, honestly set me on this path of, of getting involved in, in uh, performance psychology, sports psychology, coaching, leadership, and really uh, becoming passionate in, in that area. 
Yeah, definitely. Great, great, great answer there. And, um, you know, it's, it's real, it's, uh, it's really a thing. It's really a, a thing of beauty when, uh, you know, you're able to authentically connect with the course content while building a uh, strong relationship with, uh, with that, with that prof. I've heard uh, multiple uh, good things about that, about that leadership course. So, you know, uh, incoming uh, uh, students that are going to the fourth year next year, like myself may want to, uh, may want to consider that course, but uh, you know, to all your, our first and even second your listeners i know that given the size of the the class um you know it's um it, it may be hard to build those types of relationships but um but you know but you know if you're a, if you're able to do that then your whole stream experience will be so so much better and you're gonna and you'll be able to hopefully find your niche and create a roadmap uh for for yourself going forward um so moving on to after you left Denver, uh, you split the next few years of both consistently performance in the Institute of Sport and Wellness. Uh, we'd like to know what that experience was like for you as, you know, as you know, an aspiring coach, um, how that shaped your philosophy on coaching elite athletes. And, you know, from a broader standpoint, your strategies for interacting with uh, the different personalities that come with that. Sure, sure. So, yeah, when I moved back from Denver, um, I pretty quickly began working with a with an organization called the uh, Institute of Sport uh, Performance and Wellness, so ISPW, and they have a few locations in in Newmarket, Richmond Hill, Barrie area, kind of north of Toronto, and they are a uh, a training center for elite athletes, um, starting from ages you know eight or ten all the way up to 20, 22 kind of college athletes. I know Dave Dave Blaze is the, the founder and the owner. He works with some professional hockey players and and different athletes. So um, I went in there and what what was really cool for me there is um, Dave. Dave was firstly just like a great guy to work for, a fantastic boss, very introspective. You know, we would talk about the impact we wanted to have on our athletes and be like a life coach and impact not just their ability to move, but their ability to function as a teammate and and go through adversity and things like that. So yeah, that, that was the first thing. And then as funny as it might sound, uh, learning how people move is was an extremely interesting experience for me where my background's not in kinesiology it's not in phys ed or, or biology or anything like that so understanding how people acquire skills right uh, was tremendously important for me in terms of my hockey coaching and I'd, I'd like to think I, I took a lot of lessons there and, and applied them to my coaching where it, it took me a while to truly understand how people learn and how people acquire skills whether they're physical cognitive emotional so that's been uh, a really that was a really great opportunity for me. I was there for about a year and a half, um, and then with consistently performance, um, I worked with a, a friend of mine, Cassidy Preston, who's also a sports psychologist, and he works with a, a lot of elite athletes in the Toronto area as well. And we we worked together for a few years, uh, and I was a, a mental conditioning coach there as well, and as well just kind of worked on on my own a little bit, uh, working with athletes on on building different mental skills, different emotional skills, you know, things like confidence and focus and motivation and resilience and things like that, as well as working on uh, their ability to deal just with things that come up, whether they're moving to a new team, 
that's a, that's a big transition. You know, they're moving up a level from from you know regional to provincial or high school to college or whatever right. it may be, um, or maybe they have a coach they don't get along with or a new style of coaching that they they have to deal with. So, helping them work through those experiences uh, and just learning about different sports. You know, I grew up playing hockey and baseball pretty consistently every year. I, I did some other things in high school and some in elementary school and stuff like that, but on a more serious level, it was, it was hockey and baseball. So learning about sports like judo, you know, and speed skating, uh, more individual sports where I, I didn't have much experience growing up. And then even some team sports that you, you know, you'd play in the playground or in gym class, like soccer and volleyball and lacrosse and things, basketball, things like that. Um, understanding the nuances of those sports and how team dynamics can change, you know, in, in hockey, which I played growing up, like there's really, there's no like starting lineup and substitutions and things where in, in basketball and volleyball there are, and there's, there's some team dynamics stuff that happens there and, and learning a lot from different coaches, you know, and, and how they structure practices, how they communicate. Some things are really great and some things are not so great. So you, you kind of learn from everybody, even if it's what not to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think, I think what we can take with that is, you know, going is, is, you know, venturing into those sports, knowing full well that you have minimal knowledge, you know, that's, that, that's, that's really pushing yourself to get out of your comfort zone and, um, and, you know, and, you know, explore those opportunities because, you know, sport is a universal language in itself. However, each one is different, has different nuances that affects, you know, how you approach players, how you, uh, how, how you devise um, uh, specific, specific, stra- specific strategy for gameplay or, or, or even, or, or even training. Like, you know, we can look at say, you know, uh, say, you know, training for a hockey, pl- uh, training for a hockey player and, uh, training for uh, training for a training for a baseball player, and although they do require sk- similar skill sets like speed, hand hand eye coordination, and power, you know the way that you approach uh, those training systems is going is going is going to be is going to be you know inherent inherent inherently different. So you know pushing yourself to know more about what you, about what you're about what you're doing, uh, it, you know, is awesome, and it's you know some something that that everyone should aspire to do in order to keep um in order to keep a, a good amount of knives uh, knives in the drawer so to speak to uh use uh to use in uh your future endeavors in the sport industry yeah and i think i think just being upfront and honest where when i started working with speed skating or judo or even something like volleyball yep you know just being honest be like hey i'm i'm learning this is a bit of a meeting of the minds like I have a background and expertise in, in sports psychology. You, you're the expert in your sport. So I need to learn from you and understand different, you know, vocabulary, different terms, how things are structured. For example, speed skating, you know, they have a meet and there's like seven or eight races in a weekend. So you're doing your, you know, your uh, time trials and your semifinals, your finals, and then different race lengths. So it's a very a different setup. Than, than maybe baseball or, or volleyball or hockey or something like that. So just understanding the, the competitive demands that are placed on the athletes, I think is a, it is a really important uh, distinction. And it's interesting that you mentioned that, um, 
you know, with a kinesiology, you know, typically having those body movement programs and you having a, you know, graduating from a sport management degree and going into sports psychology and learning how the body moves. And, you know, it's, you know, it's common from other schools that kinesiology has like a sport management sector, right? But, you know, you have that basis of how the body moves, how it reacts to certain sports in certain sports, such as those niche sports that you're learning about, judo, figure skating. Um, but, you know, it's really weird hearing that, um, you know, all of a sudden you're, you have a, a master's in psychology and you're like, well, now I need to learn how the body moves. Like, yeah, I, I, I should have taken kinesiology. Right. Um, yeah. it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of interesting. It was, it was really uh, a cool experience at ISPW for, like I said, about a year and a half and truly understanding skill acquisition and how to structure your training sessions, how to structure your feedback, your communication, your coaching style, to help people learn new things. And I think that's applicable, whether they're trying to learn how to squat properly or develop power, or become more agile or helping them to learn a new marketing software or, or help them learn a new drill in, in whatever sport you're coaching or, you know, the, the understanding of how people learn, I think is, is really applicable. And I definitely foster with that a lot. I'm, you know, I'm not usually, I'm, I'm more of a hands-on learner. So having, I'm, you know, looking at a video or, you know, watching a lecture video, especially with this online school format, uh, can definitely be a little bit challenging for me, but having that hands-on experience and I'm, you know, assuming a lot of our listeners out there have the same kind of aspect working in the sport industry and also, you know, having that hands-on help or training to know how to do that squat. But, you know, that, that information can definitely be valuable. Um, so moving on, uh, in May 2019, you formed Emergent, which is an organization focused on creating high-performance coaching programs for teams and executives with an emphasis on mental and emotional skills. What was your motivation to start that up, and why have you made mental training a significant point of emphasis in your programs? I think the, the biggest thing was, so I, I had been teaching at Humber uh, for about four and a half years, five years, um, when I made that decision. And I, I really loved my time at Humber and the, the people that I worked with in my faculty were like what I loved the most, just the most amazing, beautiful people, very supportive, very fun. Um, but after five years of, of teaching the same few courses, you know, a couple sections per semester, a couple semesters per year, um, it, it became maybe a little bit less stimulating than I, than, I would, than I would hope in a career and a little bit maybe too predictable. So that was a big part of it where I knew my kind of side hustle that I've been doing for seven or eight years, working with athletes, um, you know, having clients, doing workshops, doing leadership trainings as a bit of a side hustle. I was becoming more and more passionate about that and, and starting to work with different populations. And I thought to myself, I, you know, I, I want to pursue this full time. And I knew just logistically teaching at Humber and pursuing it full time just, just couldn't work, especially as I was transitioning out of working with athletes, you know, youth athletes, typically I would work with them on evenings and weekends. So teaching at Humber wasn't a, a conflict. And then, but now moving more towards working with organizations and executives, obviously they're kind of more Monday to Friday, nine to five, which is, you know, when I was at Humber. So there's a bit of a conflict there. And I think just, just pursuing something a little bit more unpredictable, pursuing something a little bit more uh, potentially challenging and having more face time with clients. Obviously, you know, this is before COVID, but, but working with people more directly on behavior change, on their leadership skills, on the growth of their organization, the growth of their team, their culture, 
um, their overall performance and, and the meaning they find in their work. Um, certainly working with the students in Humber was a lot of fun and also very meaningful, but in a bit of a different way, where here it would be more of a more of an in-depth relationship with clients and a bit more detailed and more long-term and you kind of get to uh, get to some pretty cool spaces with them sometimes. So moving forward with uh, their performance was just something I was, I was seeking more on a full-time basis. Yeah, de yeah, definitely. And, uh, and, you know, obviously the, uh, the business is, um, is, is uh, rapidly approaching uh, it's, uh, it's two year anniversary of, of, of formation. So congratulations. So congratulations Thanks. on, uh, on Thank that, you. on that upcoming achievement. But but you know it, it you know just shows that you know if you have if you have a if you have a passion and you know it can be a side hustle it can be a primary choice of career if you have a passion and you want and you want to follow it then you know there's no reason uh, you know there's no reason stopping you from uh, from ach from achieving from achieving those goals like in your career if you can find a sense if you can find a sense of purpose uh, that you know keep that keeps uh, that keeps you getting that um, that you know uh, make sure that you get a bit, a bit of a day with, you know, motivation and, you know, charisma to, uh, to, 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 to succeed then, you know, uh, then, you know, work, you know, working, um, even, even if it's, even if it's like running your own, your own business, your own business, uh, seems, seems more like a, uh, seems more like a hobby, uh, sorry, seems more like a, uh, seems more like, um, a, I, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to find the word, but, it's uh it 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 it, it but what i'm trying to get at it's it, it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like work at no. all yeah at all and that's one thing I, I feel pretty lucky i mean obviously when you leave a job and try to become a, a bit of an entrepreneur uh mm -hmm. there's obviously a certain amount of risk and, and instability that comes with that um but when some people ask me like what do i like most about it i would say 95% of the work I do, I really love, you know, I, whether it's building new curriculum, deliver, delivering workshops, working face-to-face -face with clients or with teams and coaches, um, you know, doing some writing now with some blogs and, and kind of trying to help put my experiences more on, on paper, uh, you know, working, mo like I said, most of the work I do, I, I like genuinely really enjoy, which Unfortunately, I think a lot of people might not be able to say that all right. too often. So that is, I know before we got on the recording here, Mason uh, and I were speaking about his entrepreneurship class a little bit. And I don't know how much of an entrepreneurial spirit, you know, young people have. I certainly didn't have one when I was uh, in SPEMA, but, and, and I mean, I don't think I'm a great uh, entrepreneur right now. I'm still trying to make it work, but um, <laughs> it, it's certainly something that uh, you can, you can do, especially now, uh, you know, with the with uh, technology and, and the ability to work from home. I mean, um, now more than ever, I think there's opportunity for people to create value in different ways. Definitely, d definitely, for sure. Especially with, uh, especially with uh, everything online and um, with everything that's been online. But, you know, um, um, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I, lo I lost my train of thought here. Oh, there we go. But, you know, since, you know, since everything is streamlined to more like an online format, you know, there's connect, there's, uh, there's connect, there's people that uh, are, are accessible that are, that, you know, are willing to help, 
uh, people who uh, may want to start their own business. So, you know, as long as you have the resources and the passion, um, you know, um, there's a good chance that, uh, that, you know, big ideas that you, that you create might work out, but, uh, stepping back a couple years before, a couple years before that, you, you mentioned you, uh, you, you taught, you taught Humber and, uh, you know, we touched on, you know, uh, what happened to you making that career change, but, uh, but, you know, step again, stepping a couple years back, uh, what was the main motivation, uh, for jumping back into the classroom environment and teaching courses such as athletic coaching techniques and sports psychology? Yeah, it's honestly a bit of a funny story and, and it can honestly just be chucked up to networking if you like using that term. So when I, when I was at Humber in my second year, uh, we, we host a sports psychology conference every spring. And one of the speakers on one of the panels throughout the conference over the weekend uh, was a guy named Ashwin Patel. And he was speaking and as another colleague of mine, another former student was introducing everybody on the panel. She introduced him as, as coming from the University of Guelph. I was like, Guelph, that doesn't sound right. So I looked at the brochure and sure enough, it was Guelph. She had just mis mispronounced it. So then uh, after the panel was over, I went over to him and introduced myself. And just honestly, because we were like the only two Canadians in the room, right? And down in Colorado. So, and we kind of chatted for five or 10 minutes and he was teaching at a college in, in Western Colorado at the time. And uh, was had, a, you know, obviously from, from Canada originally and had worked with some hockey players and stuff. So we'd chatted for maybe 10 minutes, let's say after the panel. And that was that. And then fast forward about six months, that was probably in April of 2013. I moved home in June and now fast forward to like the fall of 2013. And uh, I, I worked at a golf course uh, for a few years before Denver and, and uh, just to, uh, you know, for a summer job type of thing. And a, a friend of mine who I worked with texted me one day and said, Hey, uh, I know someone, in the sports psych industry that you know. And I thought, I, you know, I don't know anyone in Toronto I, or Ontario for that matter. Everyone I know is down in the States. He said, no, it's Ashwin Patel. I said, how do you know Ashwin? He lives in like Western Colorado. And he said, no, no, he just came back, moved back with his family. And he's, a, he's my prophet Humber now. I said, oh, that's cool. And he said, he remembered your conversation and stuff like that. I said, oh, that's really neat. Like a good, good connection there. So that was in the fall of 2013. Fast forward again to the spring of 2014 now, and I get another call from my buddy saying, hey, uh, I'm going to text you Ashwin's number. They're looking for a sports psych professor. Uh, he wants your resume and, and kind of go from there. So I thought, whoa, like this is totally out of the blue. Like I didn't even know there was a job available. So I emailed Ash my resume. We met for a coffee, I think, once or maybe met over the phone a couple of times. And he, you know, he let me know it obviously wasn't his decision to make, but he would and help me out and push my forward, push my resume along. And I went through a couple interviews and, and was lucky enough to get a, a part-time position teaching sports psychology at Humber. So very coincidental and very odd that my friend was in the program and, you know, knew Ash and I had met Ash at this conference. So, you know, I guess the point of the story is never be afraid to, to go up to someone at a panel or at a, at a networking event or at a conference and introduce yourself. Like you never know what might come of it. I certainly didn't think 18 months later, I'm going to go introduce myself to Ash because 18 months from now, I might have a job back in Toronto. It just so happened that way, right? Um, so th that's a, a bonus for, for networking or introducing yourself, creating relationships. And then in terms of my experience in Humber, uh, I, like I said, I really loved it day to day. It was really fun, you know, working with the students. And I think sports psychology 
I always used to say is like a pretty easy class to teach. Most of the students either grew up playing sports or were like huge Raptors fans, huge Jays fans, huge Leafs fans, huge TFC fans. And at that time when I was there from like 2014 to 2018, like the Leafs were really good for the most part. The Raptors were very good. The Jays were in the playoffs. TFC was, so the city of Toronto was like really alive with sports. So lots of examples to pull from everybody who grew up playing sports has had a lack of confidence or a tough coach or a tough teammate or had fear of failure at some point, you know? So um, a lot of the content was really relatable and, uh, and the students were great at sharing examples or pulling clips from different sporting uh, domains and different environments. So um, I always feel like I got pretty lucky that, uh, that sports psych is a pretty cl easy class to teach. And uh, like I said, it was great. I really loved it. I loved the people I was working with, but after five years, I just knew it was something new was, uh, was the right move for me. And it's interesting that you mentioned, um, you know, with all the Toronto teams being so successful during your time at Humber, um, you know, utilizing those sport examples, especially in real time, makes the class content a lot easier for students to understand, especially when, um, you know, teams are winning. It's a lot easier to come up with examples of teams are winning rather than, you know, losing teams or unsuccessful organizations. Sure. Um, but it's also funny that you mentioned, you know, just a random connection that you made because you were the only two Canadians in a room. Like who would have thought two Canadians in a room uh, in a, in a, in a, at a uh, what's it called? A conference in Colorado, uh, Western Colorado to be exact. And, you know, what would other times there's only two Canadians. And the only reason that you were able to come up with that you know, connection is because the speaker introducing, introducing Ashman was uh, mispronounced the university of, of Guelph, right? Yeah, it's Guelph. It's like coincidence after coincidence um so yeah no it was, and then that led to a five-year career at humber college you know it's uh it is kind of funny i think the overall message here for schema students that are listening that you, you know what doesn't matter what you come up if you have a conversation about you know you know i uh, you know for example i um uh what's it called i had a, an opportunity to um you know in my first year class there was a speaker series panel that came in and, you know, I didn't really resonate with much of the speaker's information that they were telling. It was kind of cold cut. And I've already heard it three or four times before. This was in the second semester. But one of the speakers had really nice socks. Like, I remember his socks were like, they had dolphins on them and they were very, you know, flamboyant. And I'm like, That's guy, that guy's got bold, a bold flavor and I love it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I had to rush out because I had to go to another lecture that was half an hour later on the other side of the campus but I was able to walk up upon him later in the day uh just doing work in one of the coffee shops and I saw him and I'm like hey like I really like your socks by the way and um you know what happened was I was able to receive a business card and I got a volunteer opportunity uh with the Canada Games so you know with that connection I was able you know coincidence or even like pointing out a sock or a university's name uh, mispronunciation you never know what's going to happen in this industry right like people yeah. you know people in the sport industry are, are humans right we we aren't robots we aren't um you know professional or we're not like professionals 100 percent of the time right we are people and we make choices and we we make mistakes right and sometimes mm -hmm. you know finding the fun in you know those mistakes or i guess personal choice and identity could lead to a potential opportunity uh, that uh, could help you in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I know it's funny. Um, I know Mike Babcock, when he was the Leaf or the coach of the Leafs, he would always say, you know, when I, when I was coaching the Red Wings, 
I didn't know I was interviewing for the Leafs position 10 years later, but I was because 10 years later, Brendan Shanahan was the hiring boss for the Leafs when I was coaching him in Detroit. So like, you never really know, as you mentioned, you really, you never really know how it's going to turn out a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. But, but as you said, you want to be real with people. You want to be vulnerable at times. Obviously you want to be professional, but be a, be a human being. And, and you never know how, how it might work out or what opportunities might come up. Um, so, uh, I have another question for here. So sure. obviously the pandemic has wrecked havoc on most students' social lives with restrictions on almost every part of involving social interaction, you know, for Will and I, it's the, uh, you know, for students were forced everything, mostly things online programs as an at emergence specialize in mental training and emotional skills which aspects of those skills can students try to have on hand in order to ensure their mind is level and positive as possible sure so um i, I was trying to think of, of a great answer for this the, the first thing that comes to mind um is the ability to be present and i know that might be getting a little bit more uh pub over the last little while um but truly like mindfulness and, and tapping into the present moment is something that I, I try to engage with myself a lot more than, than I should. I'm always a work in progress, but what I work on with clients as well, uh, either they're, whether they're athletes or executives, I, th I think two of the biggest distractions we face are the past and the future. So the past, you know, if we make a mistake or if things don't work out, it's very hard mostly for most people to get over that and to let it go. Uh, so, you know, we might tell ourselves, you know, oh, I, it didn't work out. I guess I'm not cut out for this or, oh, I'm, I'm not taking that risk again. I'm not going to go introduce myself uh, to somebody else because maybe I stumbled over my words when I did it last time or, or public speaking or, or whatever it might be. And we chalk up the experience to I'm not cut out for this. It's not right for me. I can't do it. And we carry that with us. And that obviously informs a lot of our decision making moving forward and prevents us from, from taking those necessary risks that we need to grow. And on the other hand, the future uh, is something that distracts us as well. Um, you know, the, the what ifs is something I work on with clients all the time. You know, what if it doesn't go well? What if I lose this client? What if we don't win? What if this? What if that? And suddenly we're no longer focused on the task, but we're focused on the consequences of the outcome, right? And part of it, it's like it's it's not our fault because we've been conditioned to think this our whole life. Um, if you have parents like mine uh, and maybe most parents like, Oh, if you do well, you can have an ice cream, right? If you, if you don't do well in school, you can't go to hockey or, you know, stuff, stuff like that. And then certainly in, in sports, I mean, I think we've all had coaches that, that use phrases like, you know, do or die, win or go home uh, now or never, you know, if we win, we're in the playoffs. If we lose, we're out, guys, you know. And, and I think coaches and maybe parents even think that that's motivating. It's not. It's just distracting. So when, when, you, when you take your focus away from the task and move it more towards, you know, the consequences of the outcome, that's really not a great way to be at our best. So, so how that relates to what's going on right now, for most people, this is like the most amount of uncertainty they've ever faced in their life. They don't know what's going to, you know, how school's going to be, what classes are going to be like, what the job market's going to be uh, when they graduate. There's so much uncertainty. Um, and certainly there, there's a time and place for planning and forecasting and making long-term goals and things like that, of course. But focusing on what you can do like right now today, you know, can you, 
you know, what's your, what are your study habits like? What are your sleep habits like? If most students listening are like me, maybe my sleep, you know, sleep habits in university probably aren't the best, you know? So being able to, to dive into what we can do today, uh, what we can do right now during this study session or this, you know, if I'm writing an essay or studying for an exam or some sort of project, um, focusing on your five senses can help you kind of ground yourself to the present moment. So literally, what are you seeing? What are you smelling? What are you tasting, feeling? Uh, all those things and paying attention to things around your room or out your window and, and to ground you to the present moment uh, instead of our mind wandering to what might happen if, you know? Uh, so that's one thing that I think we can all listen to. Like I said, I, I try to do it myself all the time and it, it's hard as a, as a young adult to do it as well. But that, that's one thing. And then just taking time to, to breathe. Again, as simple as that sounds, um, you know, maybe when you first wake up before you go to bed, maybe once throughout the day, this uh, I call it like informal meditation. Meditation doesn't have to be 30 minutes long, sitting cross-legged, you know, something like that. It can literally be five minutes or three minutes. You know, I try to do it with, I have a song that I like. It's like a four minute song and it's very calming and relaxing. And I just kind of breathe and recenter. And if I'm feeling stressed or hectic or chaotic or busy, I take it, you know, I, I lie down for four minutes and just breathe and kind of try to calm, calm things down. And now I feel a bit more recentered for the rest of the day. So those would be the two things, kind of taking time to, to breathe and relax and then making that part of your daily schedule. Um, and then also trying to be as present as we can. If, if I, uh, any of the listeners listen to this, if you, if you take, if you're going to take one thing from this podcast and you know, you really don't have an affinity for the other five questions, this is it right here. This is it. Like I, you know, I can't tell you how many, you know, how many times people have said they're stressed or they're overwhelmed because, because, because of this. And it's understandable. Like literally every aspect of life is up in the air right now. And, you know, it, as long as you're, and, you know, taking that advice, like staying in the present moment and taking time to, you know, breathe a little and treat your mind right. You know, if you can do that, you're at least, you're, you're at least for the most part, you're, you're set, you're centered, you're mostly able to react to what come to what comes out you and you're, and you're going to be better positioned for, you know, what, whatever is going, whatever's going to lie ahead. And, you know, I think that's, you know, aw aw awesome points that uh, at everyone, regardless of what industry you're in, uh, what industry you're in, uh, can take for sure. But um, listen, sure. Matt, uh, this, this, was, this was an awesome episode. Uh, a really, really great conversation with you, uh, uh, discussing your career story and, you know, the advice that you've given to us as hosts and uh, and to our listeners as well. But uh, as is tradition here, uh, what we like to do is uh, give, uh, give give our guests the final say in the podcast to say uh, whatever is on your mind or, uh, or or maybe some final points that you've that you'd like to bring up. So Matt, thank you again, and the floor is yours. Thank you very much. First of all, thanks thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed it, um, and great job putting this together for two seasons now. The last thing I would say. Uh, maybe it goes in line with the, the last question, but um, you know the, the one word I hear all the time with clients, uh, whether it's executives, coaches, parents, athletes, whatever it might be, is confidence. Oh, I lost my confidence. Uh, I have to get my confidence back. You know, how do you build confidence? So the, the big thing for me is kind of redefining what confidence even means to us. 
where I think, again, we've been conditioned to think one way as, as we grow up. Confidence means, you know, my belief in my ability to achieve a certain goal, right? Or, or attain an outcome. So it's like your, your confidence is linked to achievement uh, or attainment. And that, that creates a lot of stress and a lot of problems because sometimes we get what we want when we want it. And sometimes we don't, you know, and sometimes the path, if, if we wanted to achieve goal X by, you know, six months from now, very, in my experience, very rarely do goals present themselves exactly the way we've trained for them. Right. Obviously eight months ago, nobody knew what COVID was and, and it's turned their lives upside down. So having a goal, oh, I want to do this by June 1st, you know, obviously we have to readjust what our goals are. So um, redefining and kind of broadening and widening our perspective on confidence much wider than, oh, I'm confident that yes, I can do it or no, I, I can't. Broadening our perspective on confidence, on becoming more agile and becoming more adjustable and adaptable. So instead of saying to ourselves, I'm confident that I can achieve a certain goal, say, I'm confident that I can adapt to anything. I have the resources, I have the, the, uh, the will, I have the, you know, the, the support system. No matter what happens, it might not be all that comfortable, uh, but I can adjust to it and I can adapt. And then no matter what life does throw at you, you know, online courses, lack of class time, you know, whatever it might be, we can adapt. So that's where we should be pouring our, our confidence energy in is the ability to adapt rather than the want to achieve. For sure. That might be my last, my last point. For sure. For sure. And again, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on to the show for episode 10. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks guys very much. Really enjoyed it. Wow. All I can say is, wow, what an episode. Um, bit of a loss for words here to describe this, but nevertheless, thanks again to Matt Coman for coming onto the show to share your story from uh, where you started in the SPEMA program to where you are now at Emergent. Thank you for sharing your, uh, your drive and desire uh, for getting out of your comfort zone in order to uh, pursue lifelong learning and you know you, the, uh, the mental wellness advice that uh, you gave uh, to us and all the listeners that are listening uh, to, the, to this episode you know in the context of uh, what's, of what's go- of what's going on, you know people really need to take care of themselves like uh, we've uh, we mentioned that uh, many many times but you know it is so important to uh, keep yourself centered uh, practice deep practice deep breathing uh, if that if that's your thing and uh, keep your mental well-being in check uh, for sure so thank you so much for uh, enlightening us and uh, empowering us with that knowledge uh, a special thanks goes out as well to uh, the uh, special guest co-host Mason Boric for this episode uh, you did an amazing amazing job uh, you sounded you sounded great um, and uh, I hope to have you on uh, for an ep- for another episode very soon uh, you're welcome back anytime man but uh, until the next episode and uh, listen we thank you so much for uh, for listening to uh, all of our content whether it's whether it's been um, 
every episode or, or, or just, or just one. We really appreciate, um, the, uh, the support that our listeners bring to this show because, uh, without the listeners, uh, the show is nothing more than, uh, than people talking into, uh, mics and a computer. So we really appreciate, uh, the support that, uh, you've shown the show and, uh, we thank you, uh, wholeheartedly for that. But until episode 11, we say thank you again, stay classy and God bless. Cheers, folks.